who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Thomas Edison. So grab your direct current. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am, of course, Lizzie Stewart. Who else would you be? You're um, right. <laughs> I, there's nobody else who could be you. I am Arden Walentowski, and I feel like the same is true for me. The one and the only. <laughs> the one and the absolute only. And what's there to say? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow slash the day after this is coming out and in your ears. So happy day Valentine's before. Day to you, Arden. The day before. The day before, yes. Yes. The day before. Sorry. The day before. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's day. day. Do you have any Valentine's Day plans? I'm going to the opening night of a show. Nice. Yes. Um. So we are celebrating, Caroline and I are celebrating Valentine's Day tonight. So are Kyle and I. What are you and Caroline doing? Yes. We are going to, oh my gosh, please do not tell Kyle. Um, We are going to our favorite pizza place here in Harlem. I love it. Oh my God. He would be delighted. Kyle is not, he's not territorial about people liking other pizzas because he himself likes 
other pizzas. Yeah, we go to a place called Soda Casa in Harlem. There's one also in Brooklyn. Nice. That we go, we get the same assortment of things. We change out the pizza. But we get our bottle of wine, olives, pizza. They know us there. They love us there. Sometimes they give us a free little drink. It's great. When the moon hits your eyes like a big pizza pie, it's Valentine's Day. What are you guys doing? Um, so interesting. Having a little bit of a different night. Um, we, Kyle, for Valentine's Day, got um, us tickets to go to Monday Night Raw at ah, the Barclays Center. So we're what? Like, we're oh going my God. to see wrestling. Oh my God. Wait. Oh my God. I, for the first time in the last, I've been on two trips so far in the last two weeks. We have another trip coming up. The very first trip, we went upstate and we were sitting at a bar and the guy who owns the bar was sitting behind us and he was watching wrestling on one of the TVs mm-hmm. and there was a, a guy's fight and then a girl's fight. And he was like, the girls yeah. are so much more fun to watch. Like the boys are just really boring. Oh, And I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. So Caroline and I sat at the bar and basically watched wrestling with him for mm-hmm. two hours. And yeah, this you man really can get into it. You really get into it. And this man was indeed correct. The men were fucking boring. Yeah. And the women were like, holy shit. Like, from jump one, gonna, like, tear out an eye. It was great. Yeah. They get they get the drama. They get the, the drama of the moment. And, like, this is... So, obviously, Kyle and I are big wrestling fans, but we're not necessarily big into the current age of wrestling. I mean, I'm excited to go see live wrestling. I think I'm going to have a great time and I think I'm going to find some wrestlers that I really like. But like our, what we love is the golden era of wrestling. And that was back in the day when like dudes were out of shape. The characters were wild. (laughs) Like it was so, it was like, honestly, it was like drag. It reminds me so much of drag by how theatrical, like the per- the personas were and the costuming yeah. like it's very flamboyant and creative and unfortunately like towards the end of your rock and your stone cold Steve Austin era you get like into the post age of aggression where it's just about being really really fit yeah. and really masculine and really serious like yeah. the flamboyancy of the golden age of wrestling is completely gone and now it's just about being like i could i could kill you right right and i'm like where's macho man randy savage who wore like a feather boa every time he came out ah, like amazing i want that like rick yeah. flair like i yeah. want i want the i want you in a robe yeah that yeah. is zebra print honey uh-huh, correct the gals they get it they get the theatricality they understand the stakes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But anyways, we're really excited. We're going to go to dinner beforehand. I don't know what we're going to eat, but Kyle planned the whole thing. Aww. So we've been looking forward to it. Um, and that's our Valentine's Day plan. Yes. That's so fun. Of course, on the subject of Valentine's Day, there's really only one man who comes to mind when I think of love, when I think of hunks, mm-hmm. when I think of you know, forever be mine. Candy hearts. I, of course. Valentine's. Candy hearts. The only person that comes to mind is Thomas Edison. It's Thomas Edison. And you know what? This man, 
had a hand, the phonograph, like he had mm-hmm. a hand in, in the making of the first motion pictures, mm-hmm. which is now, you know, now we watch movies all the time, a genre of movie that some people enjoy, some people, it makes them want to, you know, scream out loud, are rom-coms. Yes. Which are... I love how you're tying this together. I'm tying it together. I'm threading I'm needles. I'm seeing the knots loop-de-loop. Yeah. Put it through the hoop. Yep. And your shoes are looking cool. So you could say Thomas Edison is in some way responsible for our current genre of rom-com film. That's that's it. That's it. Happy Valentine's that's how Day, we everybody. from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Happy Valentine's Day. We're talking about Thomas Edison. We're going to find out who he was, what he did, and everything in between. Are you ready to rumble? So I'm just getting excited for tonight. <laughs> That's exciting. I know. Um, do you want to talk about today's sources? Would love to. Got some fun facts about Thomas Edison from Mental Floss. Love. Some great information from history.com. Obviously. Obviously. And then because he is an American historical figure, there's some good info on him from the Library of Congress. And where mm. would we be without the National Park Service? We would be lost. Ugh. So some good information from them. Great too. sources. I love all four of those sources individually and also as a collective. Okay. Let's start painting broad strokes. And let's talk about who was Thomas Edison. Let's find out. Thomas Edison was a prolific inventor and savvy businessman who acquired a record number of 1,093 patents and was the driving force behind such innovations as the phonograph, the incandescent light bulb, the alkaline battery, and one of the earliest motion picture cameras. Talk about having all of your fingers in the cookie jar. All He's of them. got a hand in everything. He also created the world's first industrial research laboratory known as the Wizard of Menlo Park for the New Jersey town where he did some of his best known work. Edison had become one of the most famous men in the world by the time he was in his 30s. So what you're saying is I got to get a move on. Yes. If I'm going to catch up with Thomas Edison. You've got to get a move on. My time is drawing to a close because I am on the, <laughs> on the second half of mid-30s. You're in your Edison era. I'm I, about to embark into my Edison are, era. It's true. It's true. In addition to his talent for invention, Edison was also a successful manufacturer who was highly skilled at marketing his inventions and himself to the public. I love that. He's oh, like, yes. I am a brand. Mm-hmm. He understood influencing brand. before it was a thing. He knew. He's the OG Kardashian. He is. For sure. By the time he died at age 84, on October 18th, 1931, Thomas Edison had amassed the record 1,093 patents, 389 for electric light and power, 195 for the phonograph, 150 for the telegraph, 141 for storage batteries, and 34 for the telephone. Dude was busy. He was busy. Dude was busy. And I will say, if you haven't listened to our episode on patents and trademarks, oh, this would what a beautiful companion piece to just... this episode. Because talk about the king of the patents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thomas Edison. It's Thomas Edison. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. 
So let's talk about his young life. Thomas Edison was born Thomas Alva Edison on February. Huh. <laughs> it's just a name you don't hear. It's Alva, just a name you don't hear a lot. It's just a name you don't hear a lot. I think, uh, yeah. you know, uh, he, Thomas Edison has a much nicer ring. Yeah. He was born on February 11th, 1847 in Milan, Ohio. He was the seventh and last child born to Samuel Edison Jr. and Nancy Elliott Edison, who would be one of four to survive to adulthood. Yikes. Yeah. At age 12, he developed hearing loss and was reportedly deaf in one ear and nearly deaf in the other, which has been variously attributed to either scarlet fever, mastoiditis, or a blow to the head. <laughs> sure. Wait, can we look at what mastoiditis is real quick? What yeah, I mean, absolutely. That? And while you're looking that up, I just love this idea of like, okay, so he had a fever once. And then he had this other disease, which God knows what that does. Oh, right. And we hit him in the head. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mastoiditis is a serious bacterial infection that affects the mm. mastoid bone behind the ear. Ah, mm. Okay. So a bacterial so infection in your bone. could be a culprit. Could be a culprit. Thomas Edison received a little formal education and left school in 1859 to begin working on the railroad between Detroit and Port Huron, Michigan, where his family then lived. So he's another, another person who has mm. no education and yet is doing mm -hmm. wondrous things. Street smarts. Street smarts. By selling food and newspapers to train passengers when he was working on the railroad. He was able to net about $50 profit each week, a substantial income at the time, especially for a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> I have to say, I'm so glad that I just am not around for the 1800s. No. Like, I, no. like I, I even think the 1700s weirdly were better. Even though, like, sure. there was progress. Like, the 1800s, I'm just like, oh, God, there's, there's so, it's such a, Bummer. There's so many bummers that happen in the 1800s. There's so many bummers, and I feel like you're you, there is um, industrial revolution on the rock. Like this is the industrial revolutionary period, yeah. And so you know yeah. that there are great things to come. You know that yeah. things are happening, but they're not quite there yet. You know we haven't figured stuff out, right? So you're not getting the benefit of being alive at the time. You're like just right, you know perpetually in transition <laughs> right and it's like the industrial revolution happening you know on the backs of child labor <laughs> oh yes absolutely like it's such a it's such a it's such a key part of it like it it's is. such a without without the children laboring there's so much it probably would have taken longer oh yeah to get some of these things because we needed free tiny child labor yeah we got they had to get into the mines and all this stuff. oh my god such a bummer yeah Ugh. Yeah. So let's let's talk about inventing and this infamous Manolo Park. Manolo. I want to say like Manolo Blahniks. <laughs> Menlo. Menlo Park. Ah, not Manolo's. Manolo. Can't you just see Menlo Tommy Park. creating light bulbs in his Manolo's? In his Manolo Blahniks. No, no, no. no. Menlo Park. Menlo Park. <laughs> From 1870 to 1875, Edison worked out of Newark, New Jersey, where he developed telegraph-related products for both Western Union Telegraph Company, then the industry leader, and its rivals. Edison's mother died in 1871, and that same year, he married 16-year-old Mary Stilwell. How old is he at this point? 
in factories maybe in... i guess yeah i'm like talk to me about these lights they're right. not practical like what do we what do they do what do they do where are they are they on where streets? are they are they like lampposts right maybe maybe could be street based right edison's eventual achievement was inventing not just an incandescent electric light but also an electric lighting system that contained all the elements necessary to make the incandescent light practical safe and economical so he's, again, creating circuits. a whole system. He's creating circuits. Yeah. This is how this man brain works. I remember this learning about works. circuits. Yeah. Yeah. Open, close, open, close. After one and a half years of work, success was achieved when an incandescent lamp with a filament of carbonized sewing thread burned for 13 and a half hours. The first public demonstration of the Edison's incandescent lighting system was in December of 1879 when the menlo park laboratory complex was electrically lighted yes yeah, start home start home start start like, start at the ba- start where you are we need to try this on ourselves we are guinea pigs yeah we are inventing yeah. we are working we're creating and we need light look all around you look all around you and i give you light mm-hmm. i'm curious if there's like direct descendants of thomas edison that still live i assume that there are direct descendants of thomas edison because imagine like walking into a room turning on a light switch and being like this is my family's legacy right (laughs) (laughs) this is what i come from this is what i come from you're welcome i would milk that so hard Mm -hmm. if if the great great grand somebody of thomas edison is listening to this podcast which i hope you are congratulations mm-hmm. like you literally just get to get to bask in the glow of success of your family's achievements every day everywhere you go yep it's we there. are we love electricity we love light bulbs we love light bulbs we would know how to get around without them truly truly Edison spent the next several years creating the electric industry. I'm sorry. He's just now creating an industry. That's amazing. That's amazing. When it rains, it pours. Uh In September of 1882, the first commercial power station located on Pearl Street in Lower Manhattan. I have been there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Went into operation providing light and power to customers in a one square mile area. The electric age had begun. Is this? I think this might be the scene. Did you watch? And I, I, it was a slow start for me, but eventually I really got into it. Um, the Gilded Age. I only watched, I think, like the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. There are moments of that show where I'm like, this is awesome. And then there are moments where I'm like, the storyline can be cut. Um, yeah. But overall, got into it and was really on board with just like the intricacies of the time. But yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, the the last episode of this first season is them going, I think it's this, like going to see like electricity. The electrics go on in a house. Mm. Um but yeah, it was really cool. Cause they're all like sitting in their carriages outside being like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so Ooh. crazy. And then they go I mean yeah. it's a great scene. The success of his electric light brought Edison to new heights of fame and wealth. As electricity spread throughout the world, Edison's various electric companies continued to grow until 1889 when they were brought together to form Edison General Electric. Despite the use of Edison in the company title, however, Edison never controlled this company. This 
is such a shame. Because I feel like yeah. this is your work. Yeah. The trem- Honestly, how do you, like, how do you not... Right. I'm like, who... Is it control- just the investors? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, read, read the next sentence. Oh, we'll keep... Re- yes. Let's find out. The tremendous amount of capital needed to develop the incandescent lighting industry had necessitated the involvement of investment bankers such as J.P. Morgan. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the money, you own the stuff. That's it's just right. such a shame, though. It's I'm just like, such a shame. I mean, give him a little bit. Like... Yeah, he didn't even get to sell it. You didn't I'm get like, to... Like, you should deserve to sell it. Right. Or like, give it, like a licensing agreement to use the name. Hello. Well, this was before. I, know I mean, now before. it would be different. Oh, right. When Edison General Electric merged with its lar- with its leading competitor, Thompson Houston, in 1892, Edison was dropped from the name and the company became simply General Electric. Gee. Rude. This period of success was marred by the death of Edison's wife, Mary, in 1884. His involvement in the business end of, a, of the electric industry had caused Edison to spend less time in Menlo Park. And after Mary's death, Edison was there even less, living instead in New York City with his three children. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, this is a man whose wife has died yeah. who wants to be with his kids. He wants to be with his kids. He's got He's no control over enough. his businesses. He's done great work. He's tired. He's tired. tired. Competitors soon emerged, notably George Westinghouse, a proponent of alternating or AC current as opposed to Edison's direct or DC current, which is types of electricity, circuit forming. I don't know. It's like giving me like physics. I don't know. PTSD. I know. (laughs) It's not strong in physics. No. You can believe it. This kind of stuff I did not have any interest in but when i took astronomy and like talked and had to study that physics that was super interesting and i'm sure there's overlaps because it's energy and whatever but this stuff i'm like as long as the light switch goes on that's fine that's all i need that's all i need we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about later in life. So we've left off. Mary has died. He has three kids. The Edison Electric Company is now just General Electric. What What's up with Tom? What's what, up did, with Tom? what did he do in his sunset years? Let's find out. In 1911, Edison's companies were reorganized into Thomas A. Edison Incorporated, as the organization became more diversified and structured, Edison became less involved in the day-to-day operations, although he still had some decision-making authority. Well, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Honestly. It. The goals of the organization became more to maintain market viability than to produce new inventions frequently. So we're just trying to maintain. Yeah. We're trying to maintain and promote what's already there. We're not mm-hmm. looking for the next light bulb no. at this juncture. No. Or the next new thing that we can't even name. When Europe became involved in World War I, Edison advised preparedness and felt that technology 
would be the future of war. Wasn't he correct Wasn't in every way possible? Yet again. He was named head of the Naval Consulting Board in 1915, an attempt by the government to bring science into its defense program. I mean, yes. I mean, imagine, imagine you're over here, you're tinkering, you're, you're, you're building things, you create a light bulb, and you're very smart, and but you're a civilian. And you're just recruited by the capital N Navy to say, <laughs> consult us. Tell us about science. Tell us how we can make this more scientific. How science like, help us do bombs. Oh my God. <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> oh my God. Although mainly an advisory board, it was instrumental in the formation of a laboratory for the Navy, which opened in 1923. Although several of Edison's suggestions on the matter were disregarded. Rude. It's like you can't bring him in and then be like, ugh. No, no we don't want to do that. I don't think no. so. No, I don't think so. During the war, Edison spent much of his time doing naval research, in particular working on submarine detection. But he felt that the Navy was not receptive to many of his inventions and suggestions, which is interesting because the submarine would become right. such a pain in pain the absolute in the ass. ass yes. for the Allies yep. in World of One. Hashtag sinking of the Lusitania. Yep. Hashtag listen to that episode. Hashtag listen to Thomas Edison. In the 1920s, Edison's health became worse, and he began to spend more time at home with his new wife. Despite the relatively limited success of his later inventions, including his long struggle to perfect a magnetic ore separator, Edison continued working into his 80s. His rise from a poor, uneducated railroad worker to one of the most famous men in the world made him a folk hero. True. True. More than any other individual, he was credited with building the framework for modern technology and society in the age of electricity. His Glenmount estate, where he died in 1931, and West Orange Laboratory are now open to the public as the Thomas Edison National Historic Park. Oh okay. my God. Can we, okay. I know we always say this. I know we, so, we always say we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. And we do need to go. We do need to go. But and this one's go. really close. It, West Orange? It is really close. It's really close. Let's go to West Orange. It's, yeah. Okay. I'm down. Okay. Literally twist my arm. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm Google Mapsing it right now. West Orange. Okay. It says temporarily closed. Oh no. But I wonder if it's seasonal. We'll see. Hold on. Oh, it's not even an hour from my apartment. Yes. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Okay. I will do the homework. I will call and see if somebody okay. answers the phone. And if they do, I will ask, are you open? What are your hours? Ask if you're open. Oh, my gosh. There's like, it's like a full lab. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, it is? There is a season. Mm. Okay, hold on. Oh, it's closed through March. Okay. It's close. Okay, great. Okay, great. Great. We're almost done with March. Fear not. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We will We've go. Got plans. We'll go in the spring. <laughs> we'll go in the spring. <laughs> It'll be nice. We'll It'll make a day fun. of it. Yes. Okay. So now it is time for some fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Woo! Woo! So we have just a couple. The first one is that Thomas Edison's first patented invention was a vote counting device. 
Wow. I know. <laughs> wow. Go off. Go off. When Edison patented his electrographic vote recorder machine in 1869, he thought it would speed up the voting process in American legislatures. I love that. In 1869, <laughs> even then, they were like, this shit takes forever. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Instead of Same sh- problem. Same problem. Different. Different century. century. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of shouting yay or nay one by one, representatives could flip a switch and have their votes tallied electronically. However, politicians didn't like the idea because, unlike the old system, which was just yelling, it left no room for filibusters or last-minute deals. Dear God. So the device (laughs) went unused. Sure. Sure. They're like, we can't, I want to scream at him. Yeah. You mean I can't scream at him? I just flip a switch? That's so boring. Yeah. I mean, eventually, and I don't know what the modern device is built upon, but eventually we did get voting machines in we did. Congress. Now they get, now they do press buttons yep. for certain votes, and then some require a vocal vote. Yeah. Um, but now now this does it. So we came round. We, we came, came round to the electronic voting we did, within Congress. God. Yes. Better late than never. Next fun fact, Thomas Edison was not the sole inventor of the light bulb. Okay. Okay. Electric lamps had been around since 1802. Warren Delarue, a British inventor, created one of the earliest light bulbs in 1840. Yet the first bulbs were not commercially viable, as we had talked to, we talked about earlier, due to their brightness levels and short lifespans. <laughs> it's too bright and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like, so it doesn't really work that right. well. Right. Like you made you know, a thing glow, but the point of a light bulb is to shed continuous continuous light, light. that helps a person that see. That you can control. Right. On January 27th, 1880, Edison was granted a patent for a cheap, long-lasting incandescent light bulb that didn't require much electricity to function. He then worked with his employees to develop light switches, electric meters, and a power system capable of running the whole show. The whole thing. The like, whole we're going shredding. above and beyond a light bulb. I'm I gonna, mean, not only am I going to give you a bulb you can use, but I'm going to give you a system that can system. support it. So you can use the light bulb. That's called yes anding. That's right. A UCB student, if we ever saw. Uh, <laughs> Next fun fact Thomas Edison made creepy talking dolls. Of course he did. Of course, of course he, he did. did. Nothing surprises me less than no. this. What else are you going to do? I mean, you invent a phonograph. What? The possibilities are endless about what to do with endless endless capable of recording sounds and playing them back the phonograph was one of edison's greatest achievements his experiments with chatting toys were a lot less successful (laughs) (laughs) but these things are so creepy (laughs) there's so i i mean i hope that there's one at the museum because can you just imagine the like yeah just the doll that doesn't move and it's like like just yeah oh my god After the phonograph debuted, Edison began developing talking dolls with tiny phonographs in their bodies that played familiar nursery rhymes and songs. No. He hired actresses to recite Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and other tunes for dolls to speak. But critics complained that they couldn't understand what the rather expensive playthings were saying. And Edison sold just 500 dolls in total. It's literally like... (laughs) <laughs> oh 
And they're like, Tom. Tom, this is horrible. We can't sell this to kids. No, it's keeping them awake at night. It's a demon. Oh, my God. And final fun fact, Thomas Edison grilled potential employees in their job interviews. Mm. I know. And this one, I was like, oh, I completely understand where he's coming from, but he would have been like, like, it's a little bit of a dick thing to do. So he was was dissatisfied with some recent college graduates he had hired over the years. Aren't we all? Mm -hmm. So Edison created a rigorous job interview test in the 1920s. Applicants had to answer dozens of questions. One such question would be who composed Il Trovatore? Or he might ask questions on astronomy, like what is the distance between the Earth and the Sun? To presidential trivia, such as where was Lincoln born? The pop quiz tended to stress people out because, of course, one job candidate later told the New York Times that, quote, only a walking encyclopedia could pass it. You know, but I totally get where he's coming from. Oh, I totally get where he's coming from. Not like educated in the, you know, in the traditional sense. And I think he's kind of sticking it to this idea that you being college educated means that you're smart. Yep. And I think he's calling bullshit on that and being like, just because you have a piece of paper and you went to a college doesn't mean that you are necessarily qualified to do this job. So let's test your actual smarts. Let's test your like well-rounded smarts. You know? Yeah. I totally get it. I'm not, I'm not mad at this. I'm kind of like, you know what? You're Thomas Edison. And if you want people working for you who know Italian operas and astro- astrology or astronomy and presidential trivia, who who am I? Who am I? Who am I to say you no? That's an, that's unreasonable. Right. You know? Yes. I think intelligence is not about education. No. There are a lot of people graduating from college who are quite dumb. Sure. Sure. Or don't know how to work in an office or have very poor social skills, all of which would have been required to be successful in Menlo Park. Very true. Very true. And with that, that is the end of our episode on Thomas Alva Edison. Shout out to Tom, shout out to the light bulb and other things. Wasn't he also the one who electrocuted an elephant? Am I crazy? Was that him? Oh, maybe. Wait, hold on. Let's see. I'm pretty sure he did. It was at Coney Island, I thought. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, fun fact. Topsy the elephant. (laughs) This is from Wired, hot off the presses from 2008. Topsy the elephant was electrocuted at Luna Park Zoo on Coney Island in 1903. Captured on film by Thomas Edison, the event was one of a string of animal electrocutions. Jesus yeah. Christ. Edison staged to discredit a new form of electricity, alternating current. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wait till the end so of the episode to take a huge turn. It's fucked up. And and this is why I was oh like, hold God. on. I know Thomas Edison is fucked up. And I just couldn't remember why. It, this, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he married a 16-year-old, so we have to like keep that into consideration. But also... Right. Yeah, he. I, now it's all coming back to me. The guy that we talked about who created alternating currents, yes. there was this huge rivalry. And in, an, in a way to market that his was better, he would electrocute animals, in this case famously an elephant in Coney Island, to prove the dangers of the AC current versus the DC current. But yeah, he like fully killed this, this elephant in Coney Island. What? So two thumbs way down, Tom. Two thumbs way down. It's like it, it's 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 how I feel about a lot of brilliant 
I, we have to call them men because they are, where I'm like, you you literally could have just not done this. Like you could have just been a, a guy with a very gifted mind who made a cool thing that changed the entire world and society as we know it. But then on top of that, you got to be, you got to do these like assholey things. Stop killing the elephants. Okay, wait, I have an addendum. I mean, yes. Okay. Stop killing the elephants. I have an addendum. So this is from Rutgers University. Love it. And it says, it asks a question, did Thomas Edison have anything to do with the ex- execution of Topsy, who was the elephant in question at Luna mm-hmm. Park? They say no. Topsy was sentenced to death by Luna Park officials after she had killed three men over a three-month period. Now, that said, under the goading of her drunken handler, menaced by the local police and some workmen likely also influenced amusement park officials in their decision to rid themselves of the elephant. Luna Park management initially planned to hang Topsy. Oh my God. But the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals objected to the hanging of the elephant. To the hanging claiming that this method of execution was unnecessarily cruel to meet these objections, park officials with the approval of this society. So the society for the prevention of cruelty to animals subsequently decided to use a combination of poisoning, strangulation and electrocution. So while Edison had nothing to do with the decision to euthanize Topsy and took no part in the proceedings, the society's understanding of electrocution as a humane means of dispatching animals was certainly influenced by experiments Edison and his associates had made at his West Orange yeah. laboratory during the late 1880s. Holy yeah, you can't fuck. tell me that he doesn't have a, a something to do with it. I mean, like, yes, now it's 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 definitely more. There's more people responsible for this atrocity happening. Um, but Edison is still as the <gasps> focus of this episode. I think. Holy to blame. fuck! Yeah, it's fucked up. It's I mean, fucked up. I mean, she did like you know it's. It's like our version of SeaWorld, you know, like, yeah, it's, you can't, what do you expect a wild animal to do held in captivity, treated like shit? Like, you know, of course they're going to strike back. Right. And this is a large animal. Of course it's going to, when it strikes back, it is going to be fatal. Right. So I, I, and this is, this is Luna Park in the literal what night early 1900s 1903 do you know do you know what luna park was like in 1903 it was absolutely crazy and you got a you got a full ass have you ever been to coney island luna park it's not big it's no, not no. a big place and you got a whole ass elephant up in there that is definitely caged in and not given you know freedom to roam in any way shape or form and god knows what they're feeding it they're probably giving it booze like yeah yeah this element was so mistreated before this point yeah i just can't help but ask it's like okay you have to put the elephant down why not just shoot it right i don't understand why they didn't just shoot it what is the point am i crazy of like, like, like is that was that never torture. on the table i just don't understand how we got to hanging being no. our first <laughs> option doesn't that just sounds like know. more work it's so disturbing you guys I let's understand. end with this don't don't harm animals leave elephants alone don't be a jerk like thomas edison and participate in something so heinous and just be nice just be nice to each other respect the creatures that are around you 
love your neighbor. Period. (laughs) Okay. And with that, that is the actual end of this episode. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at let's get civical. As always, please rate, please review, please subscribe. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.